Welcome to the Valley Avon Podcast, a weekly podcast provided by Valley Community Baptist Church, located in Avon, Connecticut. Why do some people come to faith in Christ and some don't? Jesus' explanation of the Holy Spirit in John 14 gives us some answers. Let's listen now. Gracious God, in your presence today, you know that we long to see you. But we confess before you today that on our own, we just can't. And so we pray today, Father, that you would pour your Holy Spirit upon us. And as you pour your Spirit upon us, would you open our eyes so that we can see you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today we're asking the question, why does one person come to faith in Christ and another doesn't? Now, frankly, sometimes the answer is obvious. If a person has never had the opportunity to hear the gospel, it's very difficult to come to faith in Christ, which is why we send missionaries around the world to proclaim the good news about Jesus. It's also true that if a person's life is so chaotic, there's so much noise in it, they can't hear much of anything, so it's going to be very difficult to hear the gospel. Sometimes it's obvious why one person comes to faith in Christ and another one does not, but other times it's so confusing. Think of a family where there's a, a husband and a wife who both love Jesus, who have built a loving home together, and who have children they love and share the gospel with. Consider there being four children in this family, and two come to Christ, and two do not. The first one comes to Christ and is living a vibrant faith. The second one comes to Christ and there is a faith. The third one, if you ask that third child, do you believe in Jesus? You might get a, a brusque answer, yes, sure, but there is never any evidence in that person's life of faith in Christ, including any participation in church. And the fourth child is openly hostile to the gospel. Why does one person come to faith in Christ? and another one doesn't. As we turn to John chapter 14 today, Jesus is going to tell us the things that we need to know in order to answer that question. John chapter 14 is located in a section of the gospel according to John where Jesus is having a last supper with his disciples on the night before he was betrayed and arrested and the next day crucified. During this meal, Jesus told his disciples plainly, I am going to leave you. And they were obviously distraught at the thought that Jesus was going to be gone from them. Jesus continued. He, he comforted them in the thought that he was going to be gone. And as we get to John chapter 14, Jesus is explaining, I am going away. I will come again. But 
God is working while you're waiting for me to return. And in John 14, Jesus is telling us what God is doing while we wait. We've seen so far that that God is preparing a place for us someday. Jesus is revealing God the Father to us. Jesus is hearing our prayers and empowering our prayers and our work. And as we come to verses 15 through 20 today, we're going to find that Jesus is telling us everything that we need to know about why one person comes to faith and another one doesn't. And so as we turn to John chapter 14, verses 15 through 20 today, we begin by finding out that while we wait for Jesus to return, God is sending the Holy Spirit. While we wait for Jesus to return, God is sending the Holy Spirit. And that's what we find as Jesus picks up in verse 15 where we read, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I want you to remember that for what we do next week. But he continues, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Now, Jesus is continuing to comfort his disciples here, and he's saying, yes, I am going to go away. That's the source of their distress right now. But Jesus says, if I go away, I will send another. My Father will send another to be with you. Jesus says, the one that the Father will send will be the helper, the spirit of truth. Jesus is referring to God the Holy Spirit, and he's saying, if I go away, God the Father is going to send God the Holy Spirit to be in you and with you. He will be your helper, which means that he will come right alongside of you. He will call out to you. He will encourage you. He will comfort you. He will advocate on your behalf and advocate to you. In fact, Jesus says this helper God the Holy Spirit is going to dwell with you. Now, if we look at the way that God the Holy Spirit appears in the Bible before this point, we find God the Holy Spirit is at work in the world, but we find the Holy Spirit coming, doing work, and then being withdrawn again. And Jesus says, things are about to change. No longer will the Holy Spirit come and go But instead, God the Holy Spirit is going to come to you. He's going to dwell with you. In fact, the word that Jesus uses for dwelling here is the same word that John uses to describe the relationship between God the Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father dwells with the Son, dwells with the Spirit, dwells with the Father. And Jesus says God the Holy Spirit will now in that same way dwell or abide in you. It's going to be as close as your breath. And so Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. 
You see, that's exactly what the disciples were afraid of. They were going to be orphans. To be an orphan means to be without biological parents, but it also means to be without protection, without nurture, without provision. In fact, in the ancient world, this was a a, a term that was used to describe students whose teacher had been taken from them, disciples who no longer had their master. In fact, after the Greek philosopher Socrates died, Plato said that his students were all of a sudden now orphans. They had no teacher, no provider, protector, no nourisher. And Jesus says, you will not be orphans. You will have God the Holy Spirit. You will be provided for. You will be nourished. You will be protected. And Jesus says, all of that is going to happen in that day. But Jesus wasn't saying it happens in this moment because some things still had to happen. Jesus still had to die on the cross, rise again, resurrected from the dead. He had to ascend into heaven. And then we read in Acts chapter 2 that on the day of Pentecost, God the Holy Spirit is given by God to the church. The Holy Spirit descends on the church with a mighty rushing sound of wind and, and tongues of flame. But God the Holy Spirit doesn't just come as a gift to the church in general. God the Holy Spirit is given to individual Christians. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit divided into tongues as a flame and came to descend on the heads of individual disciples. And now when we become disciples of Jesus, God the Holy Spirit comes to dwell with us and to remain and abide in us. So, While we're waiting for Jesus to return, God is sending the Holy Spirit. Okay, so if that's the case, what do we know as a result? One of the things we know as a result is the Holy Spirit is why we know Jesus, get the gospel, and understand the Bible. God the Holy Spirit is why we know Jesus, get the gospel, and understand the Bible. You see, Jesus says that this helper, the Holy Spirit, is also the spirit of truth. Now, when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, what does he mean? Well, he goes on to explain. Actually, he picks up in verse 26 to explain further that God the Holy Spirit is going to help us to remember, to understand, to know the very words of Jesus himself. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so we discover on the one hand how it is that the disciples were able ultimately to remember the words that Jesus had said. God the Holy Spirit called them to mind. And we know now how it is that we are able to know and recognize Jesus. His words ring true in us through the power of God the Holy Spirit. Later that very same night in John chapter 15, Jesus went on to explain that God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, also bears witness to us of the very nature of the gospel, something that we wouldn't get otherwise. In John 15, verse 26, he goes on to say, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, look at this, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. 
So God the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to us of the truth of the gospel and causes us to grasp that gospel such that we can share that gospel and bear witness to it with our lives to other people. But not only that, that very same night, Jesus went on to explain about the Holy Spirit, that God the Holy Spirit would help us to understand all of the Bible, even the parts that had not been written yet in the New Testament. In John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus goes on to say, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And so we discover that God the Holy Spirit is going to tell us about the future and help us to understand the entire Word of God. Now, what we have to process here is that What Jesus is saying is that apart from the Holy Spirit, we don't get to know Jesus, get the gospel, and understand the Bible. Apart from the Holy Spirit, Jesus just simply does not make sense to us. And apart from God the Holy Spirit, the gospel sounds somehow either like a fairy tale or like a nightmare. And apart from God the Holy Spirit, as we seek to understand the Bible, the Bible comes across as just so much gobbledygook to people. Then, then we meet God the Holy Spirit. In considering faith in Jesus Christ, we come up toward that line of faith. And as we come up toward that line of faith and God the Holy Spirit is drawing us toward God, we reach a place where we are convicted of our own sinfulness. And we understand that righteousness is available in Jesus Christ, that forgiveness is possible. And we even become convicted that our decision about sin and righteousness has consequences. At the one hand, we see hell opening up underneath us, but in front of us, we see the possibility of new life eternal life of heaven, and we see in figuratively in our mind's eye the hand of Jesus reaching out to us, and through God the Holy Spirit, we take that hand and we come across the line of faith, and then everything changes. Because having God the Holy Spirit now in our lives, we know Jesus, we recognize Jesus for who he truly is. And now with God the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are able to grasp the meaning of the gospel, and it no longer seems like a fairy tale or a nightmare. It it seems to us like the truth. And as we read the Bible, it no longer seems like so much gobbledygook to us. Now the Bible seems like the words of life, and we begin to understand the Bible We begin to know Jesus, get the gospel, understand the Bible, all of it. Not all of it in the sense that we know and understand every piece of it, but it suddenly begins to make sense to us. And we have the sense, I can't understand why I didn't get this before. It's so clear now. Because while we wait... God is sending the Holy Spirit into the world. 
And when we respond and say yes to God the Holy Spirit, that's why some of us then come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's a however, though. And that however is that the world cannot, the world cannot know Jesus, get the gospel, or understand the Bible. Now, to understand what I mean, uh, I, I need you to understand what Jesus means by the world, because when we hear the phrase the world, we think of planet Earth and maybe the people on it. But when Jesus is talking about the world here, he's using a word that means something more like the kingdoms of this world in comparison with the kingdom of God. John wrote about that world to help us understand the mindset and the mentality of that world. In John chapter 1, verse 10, John wrote, he, that is Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The world did not know him. That's the world that Jesus is, is referring to. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul paints a picture of the spiritual forces at work in the world that help us to understand what's really going on around us. Paul wrote, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. When Jesus talks about the world, that's the world that he's referring to. And what we need to understand is that world without the Holy Spirit is full of human understanding that has been darkened. Human understanding is not pure. Human reason is not intact. You see, humanity has fallen. Humanity sinned. And when we sinned, in our disobedience against God, we broke creation and we broke ourselves. We are now broken and flawed. Among the things that's broken and flawed about us is our reason. Our reason is now darkened. It does not work properly. Paul talked about this darkening of the human mind in Romans chapter 1. And he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 19, that God is revealing himself to the world. God is speaking to the world. Romans 1, 19 says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. But then in verse 22, he adds that human reason in its darkened state is unable to grasp God. In Romans 1, 22, he says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And then in verse 28, he goes on to say that God has had a response to that. God allows human reasoning to stay darkened. Romans 1.28 says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So not only did God allow human beings to follow their darkened reason, but he allowed them to turn those thoughts into actions, a self-fulfilling type of cycle. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul comes back to this topic, and he tells us what the results look like. Paul writes, they 
are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. Look at that first phrase there. Let that resonate for a minute. They are darkened in their understanding. They're darkened in their understanding. This is why the world cannot know Jesus. Get the gospel or understand the Bible because as the world in its darkened reasoning thinks about Jesus, they, they, they come away with a good teacher, a deluded lunatic from the first century. That's what they see and think. As they consider the gospel, they come away thinking, this is a fairy tale or a nightmare. As they look at the Bible, they come away and think, that's oh, just flawed, gobbledygook. And so many people in the world cannot come to faith in Jesus Christ. God, the Holy Spirit, is, is witnessing to the world, pulling people to God, and as these people come right up to that line, feeling that pull from God, the Holy Spirit, their response is to say no. And when they do, their, their darkened reason becomes all the darker. And that's why some people don't come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's a call in the midst of this to all of us, and that is get the Holy Spirit if you are seeking truth. Get the Holy Spirit if you are seeking truth. I made it to age 40 in my life without needing glasses. I had 20-20 vision. Then around age 40, Some small print became difficult to read. I, I went to my eye doctor and got a prescription and got some reading glasses, and I would use them occasionally because they'd help me to read when I was studying for a long period of time. And then I found myself going into restaurants and, and complaining that the menus were in script and too dark, and, and I found myself wearing my glasses more and more. And now, just a few years after that, I find myself needing my glasses all the time because without my glasses, I can't read anything other than street signs at a great distance. These lenses help me to see because my eyes are darkened and unclear. We all have lenses through which we look at the world. Now, we as Christians have the lens of faith and of the Holy Spirit through which we look at the world. And people will say about us, if you would take that Christian set of lenses off, you would see clearly and boldly truth as it really is. But the fact of the matter is that when we take our lenses off, our eyes, our minds, our reason is darkened. We don't actually see clearly. And as it turns out, all of us look through lenses. 
We Christians look through the lens of faith and the Holy Spirit, but everyone in their darkened reason is looking through a pair of lenses to try to understand the world around us. And people will criticize our Christian lenses, but we really should be asking questions as well about the lenses through which other people are looking. Because the lenses through which others look at the world are actually the ones that are opaque and and cloudy and unclear. Tim Keller, the pastor, former pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, an author and a theologian, was writing about the lenses that people look at the world through. And he quoted a Russian philosopher and theologian who said about secular humanism the following. This is a characterization of the lenses through which secular humanists look at the world. You ready? Man descended from apes, therefore we must love one another. And some of you are like, that is wildly reductionistic. I totally agree. It's wildly reductionistic and wildly true, except that it's complete and total falsehood. Man descended from apes does not lead to the conclusion, therefore love one another. If natural selection is true, it leads to the conclusion that we continue to practice survival of the fittest, taking care of ourselves and selfishness. That's what follows. Secular humanism has pair of lenses that they look at the world through, it's very false, very misleading. We should be asking questions about the lenses that other people look at the world through and about the lenses that we ourselves as Christ followers look at the world through. We have to understand, we look at the world through the lens of faith and through the lens of the Holy Spirit. And the lens of faith and the lens of the Holy Spirit is the only set of lenses that can help us to see the world clearly. Because these lenses don't just see clearly, they illuminate the world with truth. Naturally, we're darkened. We need the lens of faith and the Holy Spirit to see clearly. And a medieval theologian by the name of Anselm of Canterbury wrote about this and described it. He wrote a a work called the Proslogion. And being written in Latin like everything in the Middle Ages was, it, it had a subtitle as well originally, which is Fides Quarens Intellectum, Faith Seeking understanding. And what Anselm meant by that subtitle is that when we come to faith in Christ, we seek to understand it through reason and understand it to the best of our ability. He also meant that if we are to understand God and ourselves and the world around us clearly, faith and the Holy Spirit provide the only pair of lenses that will help us to see clearly. In chapter one of the Proslogion, he began with describing how the, plan, how the problem came to be. He wrote in chapter one, man was created to see God. Man by sin lost the blessedness for which he was made and found the misery for which he was not made. And then he went on later in chapter one to describe our now inability to see truth clearly for ourselves. He wrote, man cannot seek God 
unless God teaches him, nor find him unless he, that is God, reveals himself. And so he pleaded with God to help in this process. He wrote then, teach me to seek you and reveal yourself to me when I seek you, for I cannot seek you except you teach me, nor find you except you reveal yourself. And then he closed chapter one of the Proslogion. For I do not seek to understand that I may believe, but I believe in order to understand. For this also I believe, that unless I believed, I should not understand. Fetus, quarrens, intellectum, faith, seeking, understanding. We only understand God and ourselves and the world around us through the lens of faith provided by the Holy Spirit. Anselm is telling us exactly what Jesus was saying in John chapter 14. Faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit is the lens that we need if we are to find truth. People around us looking through other lenses are not finding truth. People looking with darkened eyes are not finding truth. And as we as Christians look through the lens of faith and the Holy Spirit, we're not looking through some kind of rose-colored glasses that distort truth through faith and through the Holy Spirit. It is the only way we will understand God, ourselves, and the world around us. Through faith in Christ and through the presence of God the Holy Spirit, it is the only way we will know Jesus. It is the only way that we will get the gospel. It's the only way we will understand the Bible. And if you struggle in your own search for truth, please understand that apart from God the Holy Spirit and faith in Christ, your search for truth is going to lead you to falsehood and to eternity separated from God. Seek God, the Holy Spirit. While we wait for Jesus to return, God is sending the Holy Spirit into the world. Become a disciple of Jesus Christ today, and God will put the Holy Spirit in you to dwell in you forever. And then you'll see clearly who Jesus is, what the gospel truly is, and what the Bible is really saying. You'll see clearly probably for the first time. Get the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Valley Avon podcast. If you would like to hear more, you can subscribe for free on any platform you use. If you would like to visit us in person or would like to submit a prayer request, 
you can visit us on the web at avon.valleycommunity.cc. From all of us here at Valley Community Baptist Church, thank you for coming and have a blessed week.